the show you're about to hear discusses films, books, and TV shows in their entirety, twists, endings, and all, without fear of spoilers. So if you don't want to know who dies, who done it, or how it all ends, we strongly advise you switch off now. I'm Paul Tyler, and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books, and TV shows in their entirety. This week, we're reading R.J. Palacio's 2012 children's novel, Wonder. And just another final warning, we will be talking about the whole of the book. We will ruin it for you. So if you've not already read Wonder, go away, read it now, then come back to us afterwards. They're gone. Right. On with the show. For R.J. Palacio, queuing for an ice cream turned out to be an inspirational lightning bolt. I was with my kids, and we were sitting outside of an ice cream store, and uh, my older son had gone inside to get us some chocolate shakes, and I realized at a certain point that I was sitting right next to a little girl who looked exactly the way I describe Augie as looking. And I kind of panicked, I admit, not because of the little girl, but because I, was, I knew that the moment my younger son looked up and saw her that right. he would say or do something that would, well, hurt her feelings or something. She moved him away, an act that might be considered her trying not to cause any embarrassment as young children naturally point out things or people that are different, something any of us might instinctively do. It ended up making the situation worse. It didn't, it didn't play out well. Everything that I kind of was afraid would happen did happen. If I found a magic lamp and I could have one wish, I would wish that I had a normal face that no one ever noticed at all. Wonder tells the story of 10-year-old August Pullman, Augie to his friends, as he adapts from being homeschooled to starting Beecher Prep Middle School. Augie hasn't been to school because of the many operations he's had to endure due to being born with facial deformity. I won't describe what I look like. Whatever you're thinking is probably worse. The book is told not only from Augie's perspective, but also from his best friend at the school, Jack Will. His sister, Via, gets her say, as does her boyfriend, Justin, and her friend, Miranda. Natalie Merchant's song, Wonder, is quoted at the very beginning of the novel. And this was also an inspiration for Palacio to create a book aimed at a reading age of 9 to 11 to help society see beyond disability. Creating the character of Augie Pullman, it appears she may have done just that, with millions of copies being sold around the world and a film adaptation starring Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson, and spoiler favourite, Jacob Tremblay. My name is Augie Pullman. If they stare, let them stare. You're the toughest kid in that school. Writing in The Telegraph, Martin Chilton believes that Wonder will delight children and adults because it's a terrific story, and Palacio is exploring some fundamental truths about how humans behave and how they should behave. That's The Telegraph. Cool beans. Tellingly, Maria Russo in the New York Times was left puzzled as to why her nine-year-old daughter remained dry-eyed when she was sobbing throughout the book. I like kids who are different, came the perfect reply. What a marvellous line, isn't it? So perfect, in fact, it makes you wonder if wonder should be moved permanently from the young reader's area of the bookshop to the adult section to ensure the right generation learn important lessons about their perceptions of people who may appear different. And the story of how wonder came to be also tells us that when the kids ask for an ice cream, it might be worthwhile to say yes. Shall we make a new rule of life? Always to try to be a little kinder than is necessary. 
Later in the show, we'll be taking a look at the practice of repackaging books following the release of a movie adaptation. But first, joining me here to wonder about wonder are the wonderful Andy Goulding and Rachel Bennett. Hello! Who are both British Podcast Award nominated, as am I. However, they are not Audio Production Award nominated, and neither am I. But we do know a man who is, though, and it's Johnny Hall, our producer. So... I mean, we, we do provide the... Con- I mean, I'm looking forward to this. When we, We're going to go to um, a, a, an awards evening and I'm looking forward to telling all the producers there that they wouldn't be anything without the talent, you know, and, the, and, and everything. <laughs> because, you know, yeah, that'll I'm, go down well. I'm really looking forward to that, that evening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is a huge and fantastic achievement uh, for Johnny to be nominated. So we, uh, we, have, <laughs> we, we have some special effects and uh, here we go. In the best producer category, Johnny Hall. Thank you. Oh, I, love, I love the smell. Those after they've gone off. Right. To listeners, that's just going to sound like you're shouting. Okay. Well, so I, it, it, it is, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to pretend I'm Johnny Hall. Um, only if we win, though. Right, so there we go. So, right, enough of that nonsense. Um, back to wonder. Let's start with Andy. Andy, would you normally read fiction aimed at a much lower age than you are? I mean, bearing in mind, I was going to see, I, I wrote this question down, and I pressed delete on my... I was going to say typewriter, <laughs> computer, and I was going to say, given that your favourite film is Dumbo, but I, when I wrote that, it just sounded cruel. But actually, as I'm sat here in front of you, it sounds okay, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fine, by the yeah, way. I thought, I thought and, it would and, be. And yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, uh, I love reading things and, and watching things that are aimed at all sorts of ages, and I think a good critic can judge them based on both what uh, how they play to an audience that they're aimed at and also how they play to a, a grown audience and i think this this book has been uh, has been thoroughly judged in in both cases hasn't it and uh, i think i would have i would have loved it as a kid but as an adult i absolutely adore it i thought it was just beautiful i really did when I when I started reading it, I I, uh, I, I mean I, I'm sure it does this to a lot of people. It brings brings up a memory that that's kind of related to it from your own life. And I remembered when I was very young, probably only about six or seven, and I was at a, a event at a local pub near where I lived, and uh, there was a group of people came in. Uh, looking back on it, I think they had Down syndrome. At that age, I, I hadn't encountered anything like that before, and I was slightly scared of them. And I looked to some of the adults around me and the adults who were there at the time kind of closed around me a bit and were, became ultra protective. And someone actually said, stay away from them. And that's the sort of moment that can really, I think, plant serious seeds of prejudice. Uh, luckily for me, I have extremely liberal parents. And so my reaction to it was instantly kind of to know that was wrong. And I felt more strange about the the fear that I had felt, then I, I didn't feel like I had to stay away from them. But for for children who may have been in that situation and just kind of gone along with uh, having been misadvised to just respect your elders and just go along with everything they say, that's the sort of thing that needs nipping in the bud. And books like this are really crucial in doing that. And I think they have to be very skillfully written because if you preach outright to kids, then usually they don't want to know. But this gets into the experience. And I think RJ Palacio, you can tell, really understands children from the point of view of having been one, but also from having children. And all that feeds into it. And I I just think, I think this is a book that that all kids should read because it really, if they've encountered something like this, it will make them rethink it. If they haven't, then if they do, 
it will prepare them for it. So oh, I think it's a modern masterpiece and I've been immersed in its world for like the last sort of few weeks and I've loved every minute of it. Okay, Rachel, I'm going to throw it open to you. I, I wonder where this is going to go. <laughs> um, I, firstly, who brought, who brought this it in? Was, it, it was, was me. Rachel. Your, it was your, me. your choice. So... Yeah. Um, are you embarrassed by bringing this this choice in? Not at all. Of course all. you're not. Not at all. <laughs> it does my heart so much good to hear you talk about it with such affection. It's a book that I read because I'm not at all afraid of reading children's books. I was a children's bookseller for quite a few years and I think there's a lot of really good stuff in children's writing, better than adults a lot of the time. This particular one I remember reading, I think on the recommendation of a friend of mine and um, I think I read it in one go. I just thought it was amazing. Um, and... I was slightly dubious about bringing the children's book into the spoiler studio and saying, let's read this. But I had faith in it. Was yeah, that because of me? No. <laughs> <laughs> that means, that means yes. That means yes. Um, and also because it's been so popular. And I know you're, you're against things that are a little bit popular. I had good yep. reviews. any kind of recommendation. Well, yes, indeed. It's that whole room thing when I had like, when I was dubious about, like room and when you said that you liked it I was like oh it's like you've said you like my son and it's it is a oh, bit dear. like that again oh, no. uh oh I was going to say he doesn't like it but as long as Andy likes it that's kind of okay <laughs> um, but I still really love it and I think the importance of it and it's not just the importance for children who may not have seen disability before or facial deformity or whatever but also from the point of view of anyone who feels like they're um, they look different or they feel odd or whatever. I think there's this amazing YouTube video and it's just a lot of children with um, with Treacher Collins syndrome, which is what Augie has, um, basically saying, I am Augie Pullman. I am Augie Pullman. And the empowerment and, and the strength that they take from having that popular figure in fiction who is well-liked and, you know, that's like them, that's okay. And you just think, that's really fantastic. And a book's done that. That's really fantastic. They totally get Augie. So it's a really important book, and I'm really glad that you connected with it in that way. That's really cool. Okay. The observant members of the uh, the studio, now I brought out my, my mobile phone, my cell phone. Mobile? <laughs> my mobile phone. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to do a few play-out. Is a regular listeners to Spoiler will know, and why wouldn't you be? A regular listeners to Spoiler will know that I don't read books. Um, I do, I do. I do read books. I've had a, a Springsteen autobiography on the go since, uh, <laughs> since last Christmas. I do, however, listen to audiobooks and I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, as, as, as well as making them. But what I want to do for you now is, is, is play something. I've brought my mobile phone out. If this doesn't work, Johnny, I'm sure you'll be able to, to, to splice something in. But this is how, I'm going to do, this is actually authentic. So I want you to, I want you to wonder if you are going to be at wonder, if you're going to be able to listen to this voice, which is a, a grown woman doing an impression of a 10 year old boy for eight hours. Let's, um, sure. I do ordinary things. I eat ice cream. I ride my bike. I play ball. I have an Xbox. Stuff like that makes me ordinary, I guess. And I feel ordinary inside. But I know ordinary kids don't make other ordinary kids run away screaming. So there we go. That'll do. That'll do for now. Right. So um, just give me your viewpoint on that voice. Can and I that's say the this opening is, line? Could you give me? Come on. This is really interesting. We actually looked up, didn't we? Before we came out tonight, we looked up the audio, the audio yeah. version mm -hmm. because we wanted to hear what you had listened to. And we both commented on the fact that the voice was going to be really vital and all we could find was the one where there was a woman doing Augie's voice. And I think neither of us thought that was a particularly good idea. And personally, I couldn't listen to that. That's why I read. Because Augie has a voice in my head and it isn't that. It really isn't yeah. that. No, exactly. exactly. So, so 
I should have read, shouldn't I? You really should. <laughs> I really should have read. However, if there's one thing that we learn in this book, it's the importance of a very good teacher. And YouTube, as we now know, is a wonderful, wonderful place. And it not only teaches me how to unblock a toilet, <laughs> hot water from the kettle and soapy water, Andy, just in case you... Brilliant. Okay, Thanks. just Thanks. take that one home. Yeah, I know. Podcast that keeps on giving. Um, and I discovered... Uh, someone called Mrs. Powers. Mrs. Powers likes to read. Uh, would appear. I mean, I don't know. There's not. There's not much history on it. There's no biog there. It doesn't link to a Twitter account. You know what? She's just doing this for the love of it, and she's sticking. I'm assuming. I'm assuming she's a primary school teacher uh, in America, which might well be middle school. Who knows what their their systems like? Um, but there's no real editing here. You know, she fluffs a line. It doesn't matter or a word or this kind of thing. But do you know what? The power, the power of this story. Guess what? Mm. <laughs> guess wow. what? If you were stuck in traffic, uh, and let's be quite specific here. I like specifics. If you were stuck in traffic on Skellingthorpe Road in Lincoln, <laughs> or, um, you know, in, in, I don't know, let's say October, November at some point, autumn time uh, in 2017, uh, and you saw a, a man walking a dog and sometimes punching the air, that'll be, that'll be, when uh, Jack Wills punched Julian. If you were walking around a nature reserve in the south end of Lincoln and you saw a man who looked like he might have been, uh, oh, let's go for it, crying, <laughs> that would be when, uh, unfortunately, you know, we, we, hey, this is spoiler, the dog passes away, right? Mm. So when Daisy the dog passes away, that would be that. There was also the occasion of when Augie left his uh, toy at home for his mum to cuddle. Um, and here we go, Rachel's filling up now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not far from it. Uh, while he goes away off to, uh, off, off to the nature, off to that nature reserve. And there were some there was, there was a, some peculiar serendipities in this uh, for me, um, particularly actually because of the of the dog thing, particularly uh, you know just because of, of that that moment of him leaving the toy behind and my own children growing up, and particularly of him going to a nature reserve and I was walking through a nature reserve. I mean these, these are coincidences I'll give you, but sometimes when you're reaching reading something or listening to something with such obvious brilliant writing um that it makes such a connection with you then you know you start to feel you start to feel and see and you know it, it becomes much more than ju than just a book something we're reviewing for the for the program and it's um it's become a way of life over the, over the last time it's one of these situations back, back in the reading room days I used to talk about books when uh, I would delay the ending so I would re only read a couple of pages at a time yeah. because I'm enjoying it so much and you don't want it to end and I think we must have discussed in here that I do have a theory that when people are upset about long running series ending they're not upsetting about the ending they're not upset you know because oh the ending won't break good the ending won't break good it's not that it's that they're going to miss the characters and I think we've you know we've established that before and I'm sure we, we'll get to the fact that there are there's other other books uh, available now and spin-offs and things and things like that. And hopefully there'll, there'll, there'll be more soon as well. But you are when when this book ends, it's like oh, well mm. what you know no, no, nothing can replace that. <laughs> nothing can replace it. Um, so well done, Rage. I'm just oh, so brilliant. glad that I brought this to the table. This is great. I was slightly dubious when you played me that audio. I thought, oh no, mm -hmm. you didn't even listen to it. That was, that was the way I set it up. Mrs. The, set up. the last hour of my life has been trying to set up that moment. Yeah. Trying to be coy. It was very coy. You had me completely fooled. I was I think, thinking, oh no, he hated it. I think because it of the voice. I think it worked. Um, let's talk about Mr. Brown, shall we? Mr. Hmm. Brown. Have you ever heard the word precept before? I know it was no. a new one on me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, never. But what a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. There is a little book, 365 Precepts, yeah. Mr. Brown's, yeah. which I, I'd love to get hold of. 365 so. Days of Wonder, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think a, a very key point for me early on, and, and 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a turning point because there was no there was no way to be turned. Um, I mean, actually, coincidentally, I, what I must say, I must say, actually, is that the the reading that I had from YouTube, Mrs. Powers, it stopped at page two hundred eighty four, which is like part nineteen. Just at the point where the voice comes back to Augie, because as we said in the introduction, the voices are different here. And I didn't really experiment with any other ones from the official audiobook um, and, until I th- it got to that point. Then I thought, I'm going to have to put the audiobook back on. And at first, it bothered me, obviously. I was conscious of it. I was thinking of it. I'd made, you know, I'd made that change. However, again, this, by that time, I was so deep into the story that it, 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 it didn't matter. So, you know, this is a, a record recommendation if you're like me <laughs> fool um or you or, or you need a different version of an audiobook um then you know do 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 seek one out if if that's if that's necessary or you might be more tolerant than than some and hey if this book if this book's supposed to teach you anything it's tolerant that's very true <laughs> it, honestly I, yeah, there was a, there was a review of the audio books. So when I heard that it was, I thought, oh no, he's not going to listen to mm-hmm. it. Like you didn't. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll have a look. And somebody had reviewed it, and they said it took her a while, but she did get used to it. So, but there wasn't a single person that went, oh yeah, I really like the voice from the mm. start. Nobody said that. Everyone mm. said it's a voice they had to get used to. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, I, and I think kindness. Yeah. I think we're going to use that word in uh, a little bit in this review, and to ensure we're being kind, I think perhaps the actor did their best job mm. it was a, just a strange decision yeah. to to do that i think when there are probably obviously so many gifted child actors out there who mm. can you know who'd be able to pull this off no problem i could find you three just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> but also i think it does have a slow build so maybe it was like it got into like later in the book you would have come around to that because well, i know when i started reading it um it took me a while to think why is this so highly regarded i'm not sure and and as I'd, I'd read a few of the chapters, I was thinking, uh, "Where is this going? And am I gonna am I gonna relate to it enough?" And and then as soon as he got into school, it, that was when it really hit me. And, yeah. and the plethora of emotions, because it would have been a bad writer, probably would have had him go to school and have a really bad experience, feel terrible, going. But the plethora of emotions that that first day at school bit taps into is just incredible. And that night I put the book down and went to sleep and dreamed that I was back on my first day at school in 1993. (laughs) But again, it wasn't one of those, you know, you have those weird ones where you can't find the classroom and then you realise you're naked. It wasn't one of those. It was was like reliving that first day at school with all the different emotions. So those moments where you're in a class and you think, oh, I'm going to like this. And then later on, like maybe you meet someone who's not very nice to you and you feel a bit sad. And and it is those ups and downs, isn't it? And mm. I think that's really, really crucial. And I think RJ Palacio's writing never depicts Oggy as the victim and he never depicts himself as that either. It's like uh, when people hear about people who suffer from depression and think they're miserable all the time. And it's far more complex than that. And it's ups and downs and... And that it felt like that to me. It really gets into that that richness of of all the emotions. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think it'd been very easy to just paint it with very broad strokes. Yeah, but she absolutely doesn't do that. And um, there were so many points where, when you listen, when you're with Augie, and that was always my favourite bit. Whenever there was an Augie chapter, that was always <laughs> my favourite bit. 
and he's funny and he's smart and he's got so much about him and the face is just one very small element actually yeah. of who he is and he doesn't think about it all the time that's a really important thing it's it's not an all-encompassing thing that everything is directed around that and um the way his friends react it isn't black and white it's not everyone goes ah you know some people are a little bit funny about it some people are really weird about it you know there's so many different reactions which there would be it is, as you say, I think you use the word rich, and I think that's perfect description. I mean, as we're talking quite quite early on at the moment, one of the, one of the the subtleties uh, of the writing was when the parents obviously disagreed about him going to school, mm-hmm. and then it seemed like they'd flip their decisions, you know, or, or the mum obviously got very nervous about him going to school and this kind of thing because you know it's the right thing, but you know it's going to be challenging and particularly challenging for the parents. Um, but uh, just those, that, that subtlety that you you sort of recognise and right it, it hits out. It's like I don't and I don't necessarily even think that that's I, you know I, I, I initially thought that might be something for the adults. Oh, there's one for the adults. Throw something in there, but actually no, no, because the kids recognise these things, don't yeah. they? They understand mm-hmm. they're smarter than we ever think they are, <laughs> which is a shame. But it just you know I just thought that, that again at that point that was a trigger for me that said yeah yeah we're onto something here this is you know yeah yeah this is right uh, but yeah yeah Mr Brown's precepts I, I, again just, I, I was going to say when given the choice between being right or being kind choose kind which is a quote from Mr Wayne Dyer and again early on that that smacks you in the mouth or you know mm. so this is this is it yeah uh, and the importance of a, a of a good teacher and obviously a good headmaster there mm. as well. Uh, Mr. Tushman. Great name. Uh, um, <laughs> I giggled. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. you did. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, apparently, RJ Palacio actually did have a teacher called Mr. Butt. Really? <laughs> yeah, and that's where it came from. Excellent. Well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It is funny. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I kind of like that the, there's that bit at the beginning where they, they laugh and they kind of make fun of his name. And that, that kind of uh, immediately chimed with me in that Augie is, is made fun of, and but he's not above doing it a bit himself but the, the way just they do it in that kind of way that no one's ever going to find out and it's just sort of gentle and whereas like julian does it to his face and so there's, there's those levels and you think it's not particularly nice to make fun of someone's name but mm. they're not doing it in a in a cruel way it, it's those those kind of layers isn't it yeah it's those things that children will read and pick up without even really realizing yeah it's okay to have a gentle rib you know yeah. but if it's hurtful then you don't yeah. always be kind you know be kinder than necessary is another thing they say at some point and mm. i love that idea don't just be as kind as you as as it needs to be be even kinder than that yeah and i just love that idea and kids will pick up on that one thing i really liked about mr tushman as well is that as as with the, a lot of the characters in this is that he is obviously a, a good character and an inspiring character, but he's not without his flaws. I certainly felt there were there were some moments where the special interest that he takes in Augie, uh, maybe he makes some strange decisions that, that tip over into into maybe a little bit of favoritism. Certainly at the end when he takes the picture that Augie drew and he puts it up in the wall in his office, that seemed like a wrong decision to me to do because. Every kid who goes in there is going to see that he's he's kind of singled out his special interest in one kid in the school by taking a picture that he did and putting it up. And I think uh, I think that's in there on purpose. I think it shows it does show that he he's taken such a special interest. He's he's formed this bond that's beyond what he normally forms with with other students. Well, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I think he shows a, a strength of character uh, in the email section. Where is it? Is it an email or a letter section yeah. Yeah. Uh, to Julian's mum, where he, he, he writes and um, you know sort of 
defends you know it's a, it's a complicated situation where Jack has obviously punched uh, Julian and Julian's mum doesn't believe that uh, Augie should be at that school you know because he, he, that she believes he would have special needs but obviously he, he, he doesn't you know there's, 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 there's nothing else required there for him um, and so, well I Actually, I wouldn't even say it was that subtle. Uh, was no. Subtle. Should we say no. it was subtle as a brick um, when, 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 he, when he replied? It was great. Um, yeah. But and it was polite, wasn't it? Yeah. It, wasn't it was. Ever professional. Yeah. Ever professional. Yeah. Ever professional. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, that's another moment I punched the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um, a great, he's a great headmaster. So, um, I, I mean, as you said uh, earlier, Rachel, you enjoyed Augie's bits the best. Uh, so when it first pulls away from Augie's narrative... Uh, where does he go to? Who does, it, who does he go to next? Is it Jack? Is it uh, Veer? Veer. Veer. Oh, of course, Veer. Veer, Veer, his sister. Which makes sense. I yeah, think. yeah. How, go to um, next. how did you? Firstly, how did you feel about that? And did it? Did did you think? Oh, what, what's going on here? It's hard for me. To, hard for me to remember because obviously this is the second time I've read it. But I can imagine that it was probably quite jarring because I didn't expect it. Mm. It's so very strongly his voice, and all of a sudden it's a different voice. Yeah. But it's somebody very close to him. So you're not, you're only just a little step away from Augie at that point. And I've always been fascinated with the effect on the siblings of children who um, have a lot of attention on them necessarily and quite rightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Augie's had 27 operations and that necessitates that his sister will get, you know, she will be put second a lot. And that's very, very tough for any child to accept that they are second, no matter how much they understand that, of course, Augie has to be put first because he's he's in pain and he's been in hospital. And of course, that's absolutely right. And she's wonderful and she does get it. But she is a child and she wants to be first as well. And I thought that came across so strongly. It's such an important voice to hear because they're so often forgotten, so often neglected. And they, they're doing this wonderful, strong thing that nobody really thinks about. Yes, Augie's being very strong and he's strong every day and that's amazing and we love him for that. However, she's got an incredible strength as well because she, of course she does, she will demand some attention, Mm -hmm. but she very rarely does it. And she loves Augie to pieces. And that family is so strong. And I love that about this book is that the family is so tight and there's so much support. But the whole story, when she was talking about her gran, the heartbreak that you feel for her, that she's, she's got this one person in the family who has said to her, Augie, you know, he has his angels. You're my first, you're my number one. And then that person goes and you just think, oh, I can't bear this. Now that person's gone. Who has she got? And that was the first time, sorry to interrupt, but that was the first time that I cried and I can picture, yeah. I can picture it now. I was in my kitchen yeah. cooking. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> As you say that now, I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's come back. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. All these points really hit you yeah. because you feel them so deeply. You know what it's like to lose a grandparent, especially if they're really well loved. I was very, very close to my grandma. I always felt like it was something special between she and I. And when she died, I was really angry with her. I remember being quite angry and it's like, oh, but you're the one that put me first quite a lot. And now you're, so there was a real affinity between me and me and um, Via at that point. But I also have a friend who has two daughters, one who's severely disabled and one who isn't. And I've seen them grow up and how that's affected the sibling. It's a really complex thing. And it's good that she she brought that voice in because Via could have been sidelined and she really shouldn't have been sidelined because it's a very important voice. I mean, like you say, well, you, the word, you used the word jar there at first, mm. but it was only, a, it's, it's a jar lid, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some particularly tasty chutney. And, oh, yes. Uh, but it, it, it moved it moved the narrative oh, along. Oh, totally did. It? Yeah. So it's like, oh, right, okay. So we, we're carrying on with the story, mm. uh, but it's from someone else's perspective and a really, really important one. Yeah. And then, uh, then it moved on to other characters as well. How did you feel about that, Andy? I, I really liked it. When I, when I first realised that that was going to happen, 
uh, I thought, oh, this this is really interesting. It'll give us some different perspective. At that point, uh, I thought it was just going to be Augie and Vaya, whose voices mm. we were going to hear. And then it went to another character. I can't remember who it switches to next. Is it uh, Jack next? It might be, I think it's Jack. Yeah. It might yeah. be Jack next, yeah. And then I realised that we were going to dot around all the characters. And then that was when I really thought, right, this is this is something special because we're getting such a such a wide idea of all the views. And it's not when I came to read this, I thought, right, it it could be addressed in a very kind of maudlin way. It could be very heavy, but it's it broadens the the scope of what it looks at because it looks at not only people with facial differences but also the people in their world and how it affects them that's that's something that a lot of a lot of things would overlook you could write it just from one point of view and make out that anyone who reacts with surprise or or horror or anything is just wrong and bad and to oversimplify it that much doesn't get under the skin of of the themes so i was really i was really happy to see that she was doing all these different uh voices and i think she's really good at writing different voices as you said rachel via is has a very similar voice to argy but there's subtle differences like her chapters are just ever so slightly longer and she's she's got sort of a, a slightly better vocabulary being that little bit older and then she's shifting to some of these other characters so when it comes to justin for instance and everything uh is written in lower case paul you wouldn't have seen this i haven't listened to it but for justin's chapters everything's written in lower case was there punctuation i think Hardly any. There was very little punctuation, mm. so it was just like a sort of stream of consciousness thing. And it kind of felt like it gave him this sort of slight hint of, of youthful pretentiousness, like he, he thought it was E.E. E. Cummings or something. <laughs> and it just, uh, it really gave, gave it a feel that I don't think it would be captured listening to it. Mm. Because on the page, with all the pictures as well, you got a little picture and... I assume this is in all editions. Each chapter starts with a picture of the face of the person who's who's talking, but the face is you don't see any features; you just see an eye, and that that was really good for me because it gave, gives you a sense of the character, but it doesn't go here's what they look like. It lets you build up that idea, and the way they're written, you build up a really vivid idea of, of who's talking. Uh, one thing that. As I was reading reading it, I did think about it was, is she going to give a voice to Julian? Because I thought that would be a really brave thing to do. And it would give us a, a very different point of view, give us the school bullies point of view, get underneath the skin of why he's doing this. And as I got nearer the end, I realised that that wasn't going to happen. And initially, I thought it might have been a, a braver book if she'd included that. But then I thought, well, does his voice really have a place in the story? And uh, I did a bit of research and, well, I've done the extra credit assignment, actually, because I, <laughs> I've i read the, the follow-up. Wait, I say follow-up, it's kind of a companion piece. It's called yeah. Oggy and Me, and it's from the point of view of three other minor characters in the story who didn't get a voice in Wonder. And they were specifically not given a voice in Wonder because RJ Palacio wrote with a, a specific set of rules that said if it didn't, if they didn't directly impact on Oggy, if it didn't move the story forward, then it had no place in it. And uh, she totally convinced me in the introduction to that, that book uh, I wrote down this quote that, she, that justified why she didn't put Julian's chapter in and why she wrote it separately. She'd just written, Even as I was writing Wonder, I knew that Julian had a story to tell. I also knew that his story of bullying, or why he bullies, was of little consequence to Augie and had no impact on the storyline and therefore didn't belong in Wonder. And this is the key sentence that got me. 
She put, it's not for the victims of bullying to find compassion for their tormentors. Mm. And that's why it's not in there. And I think that made me think, well, of course, it would have detracted from it. It would have felt wrong. It would have felt like it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Whereas if you read it separately, it's it's very powerful. I suggest if you if you get hold of a copy of that and read it, it gives you more on Julian, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make it well. It doesn't forgive what he does at all, but it gives you some understanding of where he comes from. And R. J. Palacio said that she thinks of them all as her children, and so she she tries to show understanding to all the characters. And so Julian he drops out quite a bit in the later chapters of the book, doesn't he? And that chapter explains what happened and why he's missing from it. So it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a brilliantly written supplement to the, the novel. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I, this was going to be one of my questions sort of later on. You know, I was going to say, are you going to move on to this? I mean, Rachel, you must do. I mean, I mean it's yeah. good, I'm definitely going to, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there's even more, there's, there's a few other extra ones as well that have come out since. So she's, this world is obviously growing for her and she's exploring other things about being a child and other things that you have to, you know, try and understand and always with this undercurrent of kindness and, and tolerance and patience and things, which is really important. Uh, and, and also a book aimed at uh, four plus, an illustrated yes, book called We Are yes. All Wonders, which, yeah. uh, you know, is, is getting, you know, this, this message that's needed. Um, well, early on, and I think, again, as we spoke about in the introduction, this is uh, this is. I think more important for adults than, than children. Children just do this anyway, naturally. They just treat each other equally. It's only when prejudice is put on them later in life that, you know, that they start, they start to develop their prejudice more. But there, there we go. There's, that's a perfect way because, uh, the, the four, five year old age group, maybe even three year old age group, uh, that are getting read to by their parents at, uh, at night and, uh, with, with the illustrated books, uh, usually go for the shortest one. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's get this over with. Uh, but, but, <laughs> Just get him to bed. Get him to bed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, a bit, a bit of my home life. Yeah. Anyway, um, so so this will then go on to the parents, the parents that are reading that, and you know, and, and the message that goes there. I mean, I know that um, the message of Herbie Monkey, <laughs> which is one of our illustrated books at home, <laughs> where Monkey. where Herbie Monkey's dropping nuts on Grandpa's big bottom. That <laughs> that message has stuck with me. <laughs> Don't drop nuts on grandpa's bottom. He, well, he, I mean, initially he wasn't very happy about it, but they had a big cuddle at the end. So it was oh, all, it was all, yeah, it's it was all about all, the cuddles. It was all fine. Yeah, it was all fine. So, um, across the message. <laughs> Don't worry about dropping nuts. Have a cuddle. <laughs> exactly. I think we've all learned something. Um, and the expansive characters in this book, sorry to get, sorry, I'm dragging us back here. Now, come on, honestly, you two, you lead us down some. <laughs> <laughs> just on any tangents. I'm going to draw you back in here. Yeah. Um, well, the other the, the great character I think uh, is Summer. Uh, yes. Can't be overlooked. Can't be missed. And uh, just her endearing positivity. Now there was a point. There was a point where Augie thought that Summer had either done or said something about her, or mis. I think he, he misunderstood something she'd said, or I can't remember the specifics of it. I'm paraphrasing. But, and I thought, oh no, don't go down this. You know, in my head, I just no, 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 no. I, but Summer straight away puts him right and says, no, don't do that. I'm never going to do that. Stop doing that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. she's wonderful. Good, yeah, <laughs> she's fantastic. Just loves yeah. It's because he thought that Mr. Tushman had also spoken to her yeah. to get him, get her to be friends with him. But it, it came from she was genuine mm-hmm. yeah. from the start, and she was thinking, "No, I'm not having that." Yeah, you my can't. choice, my yeah. choice to sit here. Absolutely. this is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's wonderful. Yeah, R.J. Playshow said that Summer is who she wishes yeah. she had been like, and and still wishes and wants to be, and tries to be like. Mm-hmm. She says that the the character she most identifies in as much as she was like at school is Charlotte. Who's the one who's nice to Augie, 
but not necessarily kind. Uh, and she said that Charlotte kind of outlines the the difference between just being nice to someone and going that extra step to be kind. And then I, I think that's good because that steers us into this point now that I was talking about where done done the wrong way. I hate this kind of thing where you've got a setup, but I, I understand you need drama in, in, a, in a drama right I, I do understand that but uh, the, the point where uh, Oggy gets dressed up in the uh, in the different costume and he overhears uh, Jack Wills talking to Julian whatever and not saying some very nice things now I mean I've, I've, I can't remember specifics of doing that but I do remember thinking at the time well that's that's, that's human that's it's not I didn't think it was particularly unforgivable or forgivable but I don't know understandable because Jack himself is trying to fit in and just be you know I'm pretty sure I've behaved as badly as that when I was that age and probably if I'm being honest as more of an adult yeah I think the the sort of it's not really proper betrayal from um from Jack because as you say he's just he's doing his best to fit in as well he doesn't know that Augie's there and he, he definitely doesn't feel that way but he's just kind of saying it to, you know, be big and oh, fit in with these people. And we all make mistakes. But I know it hurts Augie terribly. And it, and it hurt me when I heard him saying that as well. But what was lovely about it is it didn't go on too long because that could have been the whole of the rest of the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, with him not being friends and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. they came together quite quickly. Yeah. And actually kids do do that. Kids don't hold grudges yeah. for the whole of their school life they sort of because they're really close-knit and as soon as like, oh let's just sort this out and thank goodness someone was just like oh, it's bleeding scream so, <laughs> oh oh yeah and then so yeah. they sorted it out but also there the fact that it took a while to sink in yeah because that's a boy thing that completely yeah, yeah that'd be what? me <laughs> <laughs> but jack's reaction when it does oh, yeah it's fantastic yeah. because have you ever I've I've certainly done that. I've sent a text message to someone referring to someone else in the text message and then put it down and then thought, Did I just send that to the person <laughs> I was talking about? And then when you find out that you didn't, oh, you're man. so relieved. But then you think, Well, should I have really put what I put about that person if mm. that was the reaction I had of imagining them knowing about it? So I could totally understand understand Jack and I was really glad that after that happened with Jack, quite quickly we got Jack's narrative voice come in and, and he explained, because uh, uh, he went through quite a, a transformation, didn't he? he? He decided to go and be one of uh, one of Oggy's welcoming buddies because he saw his little brother's reaction to him and the, the horrible things that his brother, who he knew was a nice person, would say. And he thought, if someone nice can say those things, then we need to, uh, they need people like me to step up and say no. It was incredible emotional maturity there, really yeah. incredible. And it really s- stood him out as being somebody quite special. Yeah. And I was, I was disappointed in what he said with Julian, but it was also understandable. I forgave him really quickly. Yeah. And, um, and it did mark a turning point for him insofar as, no, actually, I'm willing to fight for this. You know, this friendship's really important. This isn't just a throwaway thing. Augie's really funny and smart and I love spending time with him. Why am I betraying him with these awful people that I don't even like? Yeah. And so he almost went completely the other way because when the war started, <laughs> you know, he was absolutely with Summer and, and Augie. Yeah. And he didn't care how many people were on the other side. You know, he knew where he stood then. He'd been challenged. He'd fallen a little bit on the hurdle, but then he'd got up and he'd gone to where was right and where was kind. 
And that was it for him then. He was absolutely solid. I'm just sat here and I'm thinking about so much that we can we can talk about. But we we, we no, I think we should move it through. I'm I'm trying my best just to skip over Daisy passing away, and because <laughs> uh, I just don't want I don't I just don't want to think about this. No. And um, but it was dealt with very well, and 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 you know subtly, and oh god, she's a good writer, isn't she? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and and so we move we move on to when moving into the sort of. Well, it's, well, it's a very long finale, I think. I mean, mm. it feels like a finale all the way it's, it's, it's leading up to it. And uh, that's his time away. And I felt a certain relief when he left his toy behind for his mum, as well as being upset by it, as well as being <laughs> cheered by it. And uh, But also the relief that he felt when Julian wasn't going. It just meant he felt like he could be himself. I mean, I was similarly relieved when I knew Julian wasn't going. But then you do think about, hang on a minute, you're going away from from everybody that knows you and into a place where people don't know you. So you may have got rid of that Julian, but there could be other Julians yeah. ready to get you. And actually there were. And so I was really worried for him. But by that point, we had the really solid um, group that you kind of, it's okay. He's going with Jack and Summer and there was a few others that were coming up because the war by then had neutralised, hadn't it? It got where most people either didn't care about it or they were totally on their side. Mm -hmm. I think by this point, Julian was on his own in the war. So I think it was well and truly won. And um, so I felt reassured that he was with the right people. That's true. There were still a few to win over, though. There were still yeah, a few were, to win yeah. over. Now, there was a character there. And I, again, this is where the writing kicked in for me, is that there was a character in there called Amos. And this name cropped up a few yeah. times throughout the story. And for some reason, I thought, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> and, I, you know, and he turned out to be all right. Yes, he did. Yeah. All right. So before we get to the uh, the big Star Wars ending, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the film. There's there's a film with this not far from uh, from release as we make this uh, program. And when I you see the names Julia Roberts, you go mm -hmm. uh, Owen Wilson. You think, well, he's capable of good things. Uh, but then uh, we see spoiler favorite, and I'm looking, I'm looking at Rachel now in this room. Uh, Jacob Tremblay. Yeah. And you think, well, I mean, this is the the, the key part, the key role. Uh, nothing can go wrong, can it? Not with him. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do it. I do have a slight issue because I've seen photographs. Um, the makeup, while reasonable, is far too subtle for me. Mm. Far too subtle. It's like if you're going to do something about overcoming, you know, a really quite dramatic facial difference, don't be afraid to show it then. Yeah, I you know? absolutely agree. Don't be with afraid you. to show it. It feels like they've they've talked about it and said will audiences look at something extreme for that long? Mm. And the point is that they will. And yeah. if, it's, if the film's them. written as well as the book, yeah. they will get used to it as yeah. it goes along. Absolutely, just trust And it's them. not to say that, that kids with less severe facial differences have any easier time, but... It does. It does feel like it was. It was a uh, done for the wrong reasons yeah, to I, me. I totally agree. I mean, there is a good description of what Augie looks like, and that photograph is not it. You know, there's there's some fantastic makeup artists out there. It'd been very easy to have done a really good a depiction of Treacher Collins syndrome, and they didn't do it. Mm. To me, they didn't do it, and that sort of belittles what children can actually deal with. Children can go to the cinema and watch that and feel as they should feel when reading the book. They will, as Jack says, get used to his face and let them do that. Let them have a chance because they'll now think that's what Treacher Collins Syndrome looks like and it doesn't. I mean, sort of milder versions, it is a spectrum, so milder versions may look like that, but that's not what Augie looks like. It's a disservice to Augie and to all those children that say, I am Augie Pullman, it's a disservice to them. So I do have an issue with that. And I have an issue with the fact that Julia Roberts is playing a supposed Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> the mum is Brazilian, 
So, and all of a sudden it's it's Julia Roberts. So I have a slight issue with that as well. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think... I think they've overlooked someone who could play the dad, and I think that could have been me. But anyway, oh. <laughs> I keep pitching these in spoilers. Someone, someone's going to catch it. <laughs> now, when novels like Wonder are adapted into films, publishers frequently attempt to cash in on this renewed interest by republishing the book with a new, redesigned cover, prominently featuring the stars of the movie, perhaps in the hope of some of that Hollywood magic rubbing off and flogging a few extra copies. Rachel is decidedly not a fan of this practice. Any publishers listening might want to take cover now. I have to confess, I struggle to decide on a topic for this show's feature. Wonder is packed full of potential focal points, all worthy and important. But then, I went to buy a replacement copy of the book, having lost the original to a very excitable friend, who borrowed it, then dropped it in the bath. And I was frustrated to discover that the only version available had a movie cover. Ugh, a movie cover. And so the topic of this feature became immediately apparent. Movie book covers, are they really necessary? Can't judge a book by looking at the cover. The movie cover for Wonder is actually not too bad. It's kept the same blue of the original and it's sparse. Simply the word Wonder and then a cutout of the figure of Augie with his helmet on, which forms the O in Wonder. I actually like the fact that the cover reveals nothing more about the content than the original did. However, they've done something unforgivable inside. A centre section of photographs from the film. Why? Anyone new to the book who hasn't seen the film and may never want to has been denied the chance of forming their own pictures of the characters in their minds. This is one of the crucial things that a movie book cover often does, and one of the main reasons I'll always choose the original over the movie version. It dictates the look of the characters from the start. Before you've even opened the cover, you're being told what they look like. The original cover for The Great Gatsby is a classic, a striking gouache painting by a Spanish artist called Francis Cougat, and one of the most memorable covers ever. When the most recent film adaptation came out in 2013, an inevitable movie cover accompanied it, and it was dire. All the main characters were shown with a typical Art Deco frame, incredibly unimaginative and completely uninspiring. Honestly, why bother? It's not like the book needed the extra sales. Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell got a similar treatment when the film came out in 2012. If any book deserves a reader without any preconceptions, it's this one. However, just as with The Great Gatsby, the film cover is all about the principal characters, including the biggest star in the cast, Tom Hanks. While I know that films often need people to read the source material, do movie covers really make the difference between them buying it or not? Another problem with movie covers, honestly, I have lots of them, is that they age badly. These character-heavy movie still versions place them very definitely in a particular era of film. The age of the actors, the quality of the photography, etc. A truly strong book cover is timeless. The original Hobbit cover is a great example of this. It was actually designed by Tolkien himself in 1937, and it shocks me that there have been so many different versions since, as surely that fact alone should make it definitive. Despite some truly atrocious cover designs for The Hobbit over the years, the film version still annoys me the most, as it's just lazy. The back of Bilbo as he walks out the door of his Hobbit hole. Groundbreaking, right? And I ask again, was there really any need for a film cover for one of the most famous books of all time that has never struggled to sell? Okay, now I come to my final justification for the eradication of all movie covers. They can potentially give too much away and in some cases destroy the meaning of the book entirely. I give you Exhibit A, The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas by John Boyne. 
The original cover was deliberately ambiguous, purely blue and white stripes and the title. Even the blurb was vague and gave no real indication of the story inside. This was purposeful. It was the author's intention that children go to the book without any preformed ideas and with a complete innocence of the horrors of the Second World War. As it's still possible that some listeners may not have read this book or seen the film, I'm going to keep this as vague as I can, but needless to say, if you happen upon the film cover, that mystery is immediately eradicated. The slow reveal of the true story that is so masterfully done in the writing is defunct. In this case, I can genuinely say that using a film cover has ruined the whole concept. I found an article online about movie covers for books that don't suck. It was meant to be in defence of some movie tie-ins, but they made a big mistake, which meant the entire article was rendered moot. One of their examples was the film cover for Roald Dahl's BFG. This, they decided, was a strong cover. Really? When you have an iconic cover by the undisputed king of Dahl illustrators, Quentin Blake, you can't improve on that. Anything other than that is just simply wrong. So, have I convinced you? Maybe you were never a fan of movie covers either, but if you were, I hope I've encouraged you to look out for the original covers in future. Then endure far better on your bookshelves, and may even add to the whole experience of discovering a new story. Never judge a book by its cover, unless it's a movie tie-in, then go right ahead. Thanks for that, Rachel. Now, I am full of props in this episode, aren't I? So when when we announced that Johnny was up for the award, uh, we had a party popper left over from Halloween. I've brought my uh, mobile phone out. Mobile? mobile (laughs) What is going on with that? Uh, And uh, on my way out here today, I bought this book. Ah, the original cover. The original cover. Uh, I I think, isn't this original cover quite iconic already? Yes. I'd never heard of of Wonder when you suggested it, but when I saw that, I was like, ah, it's that book. Mm. So the one with the eye. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's great. And what's going to happen here is that I'm probably not going to read that, but I'm going to leave it around the house uh, because i think if, if we know anything it's the fact that i'm not going to say i'm not going to go home and tomorrow say right read this kids <laughs> uh, because no. yeah exactly yeah yeah why, and why would they but uh, if i leave it around the house and I don't know, maybe sometimes when uh, some screens get taken off them they might pick up a book and they might start to read and yes this is this is what you've done to me you've turned me into a reader again <laughs> that springsteen book <laughs> will get finished <laughs> right so uh, as we get to the ending and i called it the star wars ending earlier because it is cheeseville isn't it yeah it is quite <laughs> we've, cheesy we've, you know we've, we've landed in some wensleydale yeah. grommet here, and i think we? that's only going to be worse in the film oh my it's goodness, one of my yes. one of my least favorite cliches in films is an ending where everyone claps yeah <laughs> but even as it is is cheesy i i did still smile yeah. reading it and i was yeah. i was happy that it needs to end that way because it was one of the reasons that RJ Pacio said she introduced all these other voices was that Argy doesn't realise how much of an impact he has on other people's lives. And she said she thought it would be false to bring that in and make him realise that. So you see it through other people's eyes, see what impact he's having on them, but he's not necessarily aware of it. And this is the moment, I think, when he does become aware of it. And it is a, a plausible situation where it could happen. So as an ending, I'm, I'm, I was happy with it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, there is an element of cheesy about it. Like, mm, it's all a bit neat and tidy, but he deserves it. And yeah. he's been through a lot. And we've seen all the various, um, as you say, various points of view. It's It makes sense with those points of view. You know, it's not contrived. It is, it's, in, it's in cahoots with that. So that's fine. 
yeah, it ties it up with a bow, but you know, this is a children's book. And we've got to show that there's hope, that there's good things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have it at the end where he gets punched in the face or something, for God's sake. <laughs> this is a children's book, you know. It was supposed to be inspiring and saying, you know, it's okay to be yourself. And, and yeah, so you've got to have a good woo ending. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good. Well, we're about to wrap things up now. Normally at this point, uh, I would offer you a rating. But we would have missed the point completely if we had a rating <laughs> at the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, and therefore, spoil it. As it's a dictatorship, uh, not a democracy, I'm stating now that we're going to be kinder than necessary and not rate wonder. So all that remains is to thank you for listening. Uh, as always, it's great uh, that uh, so many do now as well. We're, we're, we're hitting uh, huge numbers here uh, and it makes us all immensely proud. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, you're very, very welcome. Uh, join, uh, join, in, join in the rest. Have a look at the back catalogue and uh, recommend us to a friend. We always appreciate that. We don't ask for anything more than that. Thanks to Johnny, uh, our uber-talented, award-nominated producer. Uh, Rachel, Andy, a pleasure as always. And we'll leave you with the aforementioned genial Andy Goulding. The next time you feel tempted to call someone funny looking, just take some time to think about the bodies we're all stuck in. Though we've concocted notions of a beauteous ideal, the human race, in every case, looks pretty damn surreal. Check out those bulbous eyeballs as they dart from place to place. That giant growth with punctures in the middle of your face. Those lips that purse and pucker like the rear end of a camel, concealing exposed bits of bone with a top coat of enamel. It's only through necessity we call these normal features, for human beings are really quite the ugliest of creatures, and yet we fool our brains into believing we look great. We have to buy into the lie if we're to procreate. But given the bizarreness of the shells in which we're housed, it's a wonder we stop laughing long enough to get aroused. hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher, and you also heard excerpts from the Wonder audiobook, published by Random House. If you've enjoyed the show, please do tell your friends about us, share links to our show or rate us and write a nice review on iTunes. Five stars, please. Anything less is not worthwhile. If you could contact us, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk, find us on Twitter or Facebook, or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Next time on Spoiler, we're taking a look at Quentin Tarantino's 2012 Western, Django Unchained. How do you like the bounty hunting business? Kill white folks and they pay you for it? What's not to like? Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Siren Radio in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln. Cool beans. So don't you bring me down today.